And yet, Jesus' heart, in all those things, that they wouldn't separate us, but somehow, in God's in the midst of it, that he would use that to knit us together. That we would recognize that, you know, again, uh, we need one another. There's, there's a place, there's a puzzle here that God's putting together. We're his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good work. So uh, again, we don't know how all the pieces fit, but God makes them fit. And our hearts just to be open that, that he will do that in our life. And so here's Jesus' prayer in John chapter 17, verses 13 through 26. <clears throat> it says this, and I want you to read it with me. It's here. It says, but now I come to you, and this is Jesus speaking. He says, and these things I speak in the world that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. So Jesus wants you know, us to have joy in this world. That's not bound by situation or circumstance. He says, I've given them your word and the world has hated them because they're not of the world, just as I am not of the world. So we see the, the division, we see the, the racism, you know, the bigotry, the things that exist right here in this prayer. He says, I do not pray that you should take them out of the world, but that you should keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. So there's a cleansing. There's a separation that takes place by the word of God as we just dove into it. It says, as you sent me into the world, I also have sent them into the world. So we understand, you know, Jesus' prayer. There's a mandate that comes with that to go into Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the world. That's what a Christian does. It's not like we go, oh, he hasn't called me to do that. No, if, he, if you are born again, you are saved by the blood of Jesus. That is the call of our life. You know, wherever within that, that you understand your place. But it's Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the world. And he says, and for their sakes, I sanctify myself, that they also may be sanctified by the truth. I do not pray for these alone, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they all may be one. And here's, here's really the focus of today that they all may be one as you father in me and I in you, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that you sent me so that the world would see unity. That, that's what God wants them to see. It's one of the, the, the great conflicts of the body of Christ is that when there's not unity in the church, you go, why would the world, if they're looking at the church, why would they want what we have if what we have is no different than what the world has? And we really have to ask ourselves that, you know, is it, is it the church impacting the world or is it the world impacting, you know, the church here? And so his prayer is that we would become one. He says, and that the world may believe that you sent me because they would see a difference in me and you. It says, and the glory which you gave me, I have given them that they may be one just as we are one. I in them and you and me, that they may be made perfect in one, that the world may know that you sent me and have loved them as you have loved me. You know, that you and I would know that today, that we would understand and know the love of God. He says, Father, I desire that they also whom you gave me be with me where I am. So he's, now he's talking about heaven. He's talking about eternity. It says that they may behold my glory, which you have given me, for you loved me before the foundation of the world. O righteous Father, the world has not known you, but I have known you. And these have known you that you sent me and I have declared them to you and declared them your name. And I will declare it that the love with which you have loved me may be in them and I in them. And, you know, and we get it, you know, we know that, you know, John writes, you know, first John four, that God is love. And Jesus said, you know, a new commandment I give to you that you love one another as I have loved you. And you go, what is that? That's sacrificial love. That's a, a love that isn't seeking its own, but it's actually seeking the benefit of the other person, agape love, one-sided love, that same love that he's loved us with and that we would know that love and that we in turn would share that love with other people as well. You know, that, that the refrain from that song, Jesus loves the little children was written by Clarence Herbert Woolston. It, it came to mind this morning, you know, uh, the refrain goes like this, Jesus loves the little children. You, know, you probably know it by heart. All the little children of the world Red and yellow, black and white, they're all precious in his sight. Jesus loves the little children of the world. You know, and if you read that version of it, you go, hey, what about the brown, what about the brown people? You know, there's always a group that's going to feel excluded. So it's been changed through the years to read red and brown, yellow, black and white. They are all precious, you know, in his sight. But when it was written, there was a, a group left out. And you think, you know, it's, it's so easy. And, it, and someone could say, well, he's a racist. 
And it was the, it was the very opposite of, of being a racist is what his intent was, was to understand from the teaching of Jesus' word that when he studied the Bible, that he understood that, that God had a special love for children. He said, you know, hinder not the little children to come under me for such is the kingdom of heaven, that Jesus loved children and children loved Jesus. And to picture a world like that, that would be full of love. But sadly, you know, when you, you think of that, and there's many children today regardless of our age, many children, God's children, who don't feel loved today. They don't feel cared for today. You know, the deaths of George Floyd and Ahmaud Arbery, you know, they were both caught, you know, on video, uh, Breonna Taylor, and there was so many others, you know, and uh, members of the black community in recent months and, and years uh, that when these events just occurred, you know, as of late, it just ripped the scab off. You know, you could say it really ripped the scab off a wound that our nation has suffered for a long time and truly has never been healed from. You know, racism by definition is when one ethnic group deems themselves superior to another ethnic group or one people group over another people group. Superior. That can be individual, that can be a group. And injustice is, is what? It's, it's the unfair action or equal, uh, unequal treatment of others. It's an inequity. And so we, we, we see racism in our world today. It's real, it's, it's, it's amongst us. And we see injustice today. Um, I mean, I can't go into the details of it because I, I only heard it, um, but you know, it was in a shooting of the church in the South where it was, the, uh, it was a, a white you know, young man who went into the church and... and and, you know, killed people. And when they arrested him, what was told anyway, and again, you'll have to look this up, but it was just shocking that, you know, when we talk about the contrast of, of what is the perception of when a, when a black person is, is arrested, uh, and we catch these things, like I said, on videotape, um, and ultimately, you know, dies in custody or is shot, you know, and killed. And here we had, you know, this, this young, you know, white young man go into a church and kill people. And it was said that on the way that they were taking him into uh, the uh, uh, prison or the sheriff's office uh, to put him in a cell uh, while he was arrested, they stopped by a McDonald's and got him something to eat on the, way to, on the way to jail. And people hear those things and they go, that's unjust. That's because what? They go, it's not equal treatment. It's not, they don't consider that fair treatment, you know, of other people. And so again, these are the things that we're, we're dealing with, the things that we're battling with today. And what we need to understand, you know, racism and injustice, would we agree this morning that there's sin? Would you agree that with that, that racism and injustice is sin? Because there has to be a, a foundation. There has to be a starting point there. And if we agree with that, then we have some place that we can move forward from. You know, I've tried to listen uh, a lot over the last few weeks to different groups, different perspectives, people that I don't agree with at all, but to at least hear their perspective and their point of view, even if it just solidifies mine all the more, but there's always that you can start to see there, there's a reason why that they hold to that belief or that truth and then to be able to speak to that, you know, again, and, and what we find in scripture many times is Jesus was just, he just asked good questions. He didn't go in, you know, in, with, in a monologue, you know, what I'm doing this morning is, is basically it's monologue. I'm, I'm speaking, you're listening, but the most impacting discussions that we can have are dialogue. And that, that's what Jesus sought all the time. And if we're, and if we're going to be truly effective in reaching the world, it can't be a monologue. It, it has to be dialogue that exists between individual people or groups of people. And, you know, so it's, it's been good. And I hope that you're, you're listening, that you're taking some time to listen. Uh, this morning, I, I wanted you to listen to, uh, you know, when I think of pastors who minister to me, there's a lot within the Calvary Chapel movement. There's a lot outside. I probably listen to as many pastors outside the Calvary Chapel movement as I do inside the Calvary Chapel movement. And one who's always ministered to me because of his love for athletics, because uh, I came to know the Lord through Fellowship of Christian Athletes, was Dr. Tony Evans. And uh, I wanted uh, to you to hear something that I'd listened to. It really spoke to me, and I hope that it speaks to you this morning. So I'm going to have the guys pull this up. I'm going to play it for you. It's about three minutes long, and we'll just listen to it here. Um, you can catch that if you'd like to uh, at home. Just go on, um, type in on your uh, browser, I'll just say that, instead of, I always say Google, because that's what I use, but not everybody uses that platform. Um, just type in Dr. Tony Evans uh, Fox News or go to Fox News uh, and, and type in 
Dr. Tony Evans, and they'll have that interview. It's about a three-minute uh, clip, and you can listen to it, and it's really good. And like I said, it puts it into perspective is that, you know, we exist, you know, uh, in the church today uh, for God's purpose, and that's to, to not just be inside the church, but to obviously to be outside the walls of the church, and that's what he was speaking to. Um, you know, part of the pandemic, what it did was it, it took us out of the church building and it actually put us back uh, out where God wants us to be. Is Yes, we want to regather all the time and to come back and to celebrate and the people who are ministering to, to bring them along with us and introduce them to new people and see how God, you know, just creates life and new life all the time as we are reaching out to, to those that are around us. But, uh, you know, to really have an impact in the world around us as God's his desire for our life. And we have such a tremendous opportunity. And, I, and I'll say this, you know, before I go any further, one of the things that you and I really will miss, if we get caught up into the political arena within this, and if we get caught up even with our own personal agenda, we're going to miss the opportunity to share the love of Jesus with people. And, and it's so easy to share the love of Jesus because people are seeking and they're searching right now. You know, and we'll take a look at that, you know, this morning. They, people are wanting answers. They want hope. They're scared. They don't, they don't know the truth. I mean, the world, you know, when I look at the things on television, I see the rioting, I see, you know, the, uh, the protesting and all the things I go, I, I don't, that doesn't, that doesn't frustrate me in that regard because I recognize that that's what the world will do. That's what happens when you don't have God in your life. You have to make noise. You've got to try to do something to create change. Uh, but what we realize as believers is that the greatest change that'll take place isn't going to be, you know, if, if protesting, I guess I could say this, you know, if you read your Bible, you don't see there's protesting that takes place, but it's always in the heart of the individual person. If protesting is what Jesus was calling the church to do, you'd see it in scripture. I mean, and it doesn't mean that there wasn't protesting. If you just study world history, there was tremendous protesting going on. It was the Roman Empire. The Jews were protesting constantly against, you know, the Roman authority. I mean, when, when the ability for the Jews to practice capital punishment was taken from them, you know, uh, Josephus, a uh, you know, Jewish historian, says that the Jews, the rabbis ran out into the streets and they, they rent their clothes and they threw dirt, you know, in the air. Um, they knew that their rights had been violated, a right that they had been given by God. And so these are not things that, that are new. Like people go, well, that wasn't, didn't exist back in Jesus' day. And you go, it's one of the things about, you know, the difference between a younger generation and an older generation is a younger generation doesn't realize there's nothing new under the sun. If you've lived long enough, you've seen this before. It just had a different face. But when you've never experienced it, you know, you have these raw emotions and this is how we're going to deal with it. And we understand that. But there is something that comes with age if there's wisdom mixed with that, you know, is, is good, you know, insight as to understanding as Solomon declared that, you know, that all these things have transpired. They're just, what we're seeing is, you know, most of us that are my age or older, we laugh now because we kind of go, man, if I'd have just kept all my toys when I was a little kid, I'd be a multimillionaire now, you know? I mean, to think that all the things that you go, we didn't realize that, you know, it was going to go out of style, but then it came back in style again. It does it all the time. And so, again, what we need to really focus in on as we, we look at this this morning, you know, I, I'm reminded of a quote that was by Edmund Burke. He said, the only thing necessary for the triumph of evil is for good men to do nothing. Most, most of us have heard that. You know, the, the bottom line, what I mean by that is, you know, the church, it cannot be silent. To be undecided is to be decided. It's just like we tell people in an altar call that there's, you know, you're either in Christ or you're out, right? There's no middle ground. And it's not like one day you could stand before Jesus and you go, Jesus, don't, please don't send me to hell because, because I was undecided. I mean, I was, I was thinking about maybe becoming a Christian, but the Bible says you're either what? You're either saved or what? You're not saved. There, there's no middle ground there. It's not like, well, but ah, if I'd have just had more time. And it's the same thing with the issues of racism and injustice. To, to be undecided, you know, to say, oh, I'm just trying to be neutral to the thing. Is, you go, no, it's to, it's to be decided. And it's the wrong decision that we would make as we look at this here this morning. You know, we can't sit by any longer and do nothing, as Dr. Evans said. You know, that the, the church today, we look at it and we go, well, there's been a call that's been placed upon our lives. You think of the, the church, or not at the church, but in the Old Testament, you know, the nation of Israel. They were selected by God to do what? To be a light to the world and to be, which they forgot, and they ended up ultimately creating laws to uh, keep themselves from doing it, but they were to be what? Isaiah declares they were to be a light to what? The Gentiles. 
They didn't want to be a light to the Gentiles. They didn't want anything to do with the Gentiles. If you study Jewish history and you read the rabbinical prayers, that the rabbis would pray every morning, I thank God that I'm not a woman, you know, a Gentile or a dog. I mean, they, they believe that, that Gentiles were good for nothing more than you know, the fodder of, of, of hell, that the lighting the fires that lit the very fires of hell. That's what a Gentile was for. They saw no value, no worth. There, you talk about racism, it was to the extreme, the farthest extreme that it could possibly be. But yet, we need to look at this again then, not politically, not even personally, but to look at it biblically. You know, it was Martin Luther King Jr. who said this. He said, the church must be reminded that it is not the master or the servant of the state, but rather the conscience of the state. It must be the guide and the critic of the state and never its tool. If the church does not recapture its prophetic zeal, it will become an irrelevant social club without moral or spiritual authority. Man, and that is so, so true. And he understood that. That's why the Apostle Paul would write this in Ephesians 6.12. He says, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against the spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. See, the bottom line, it wasn't just wrong to kneel on George Floyd's neck for 8 minutes and 46 seconds. It was murder. And we need to recognize that. But yet it's equally wrong to vandalize and to loot and to kill in the name of exacting justice. See, you know, again, this isn't the Old Testament. Eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. The Bible is explicitly clear, and we must understand this today. The way to overcome evil is what? Is it with more evil? No. It's not as our president is saying, you know, that you fight fire with fire in that regard. That, that would be true if everything was a military conquest and it's part of what's creating the division in our country today. It's until, you know, we understand that there, there's, this is a spiritual problem, you know, and it doesn't mean that, you know, that at some point their military is not involved in, in the endeavors of, of humanity. We understand that because why? Well, Romans 13 says the very purpose that military and police were, were put into place. It was they represent the wrath of God. Uh, they're not, this isn't something that's, you know, man-made, but it's understanding you know, in the degree and the place and the time where God ordains it to be. And so, uh, again, if we don't, you know, get this in its proper perspective, we don't see it in the proper light. I mean, this problem, you know, that's in front of us today, if we think it's bad today, I mean, uh, this is only the tip of the proverbial iceberg, you know, with it. And the solution, you know, as Dr. Tony Evans said, it's not going to be found in the White House. The solution, I believe, and I believe you believe as well, it's in God's house. Amen. It always starts with God, God's people. The blessing starts here and the judgment starts here. Judgment, the Bible says, will begin in the house of God. And you go, why? Because to much was given, much is what? It's required. We've been given so much, church, and God's, his love and his life for you, for me. So it comes down to, you know, for me, and I hope that it is for you, that this isn't a skin issue. And that we really have to determine that it's not a cliche. It isn't a skin issue. It is a sin issue. Because if we don't understand that, you go, then we were going to have this completely wrong with every decision, with every choice that we make. See, racism is being made to be a political issue. We're in a presidential year, and, and that's what, you know, part of the world wants to do is to make it political, but it isn't. You know, as members of the church, as the members of the body of Christ, we've got to understand that this is deeply, deeply spiritual. And again, we have the solution then. And that's what I love today. So we're not here to go, like people go, well, what's all the problems? We, in the true sense, we know what the problem is, but we need to come from the world's perspective and hear and listen to what they're saying to do what? To segue into the solution. And we'll look at that, you know, here this morning. You cannot, and understand, you know, this, you cannot legislate righteousness. Do you understand that? You cannot legislate. Only the gospel of Jesus Christ can change the human heart. Amen. It's not going to happen because we've come up with some new law. We have enough laws on the book to protect people. We know that to be racist is wrong in this world. And there's laws against it. But do people still practice it? And you go, yes. 
like they do every single sin. Just walk through the Ten Commandments, and are they broken daily? Are they broken in our own hearts? If we didn't break them outwardly, are we at least breaking them inwardly? That's what the Apostle Paul said. He said, I kept the law perfectly until I got to number 10. And I realized covetousness, the sin of covetousness, isn't even an outward sin. It's in our hearts. Jesus said, where do murders begin? Outwardly? No, it's even just to say, I hate you. It starts in the heart. And that's where, you know, we talk about all the time here at Calvary Chapel. The heart of the matter is what? It's the matter of the heart. And so it begins with me and it begins with you. That's one person at a time, just the same way that the gospel goes forth. It's Jesus who changes hearts. First John 2, 9 says this, he who says uh, in the light, who says he's in the light and hates his brother is in darkness until now. But he who loves his brother abides in the light and there is no cause for stumbling in him. Psalm 73. You know, I love this Psalm. You know, John will be teaching on this in a couple weeks. So you want to be here. Um, but it's, it's a beautiful Psalm. It says this, truly God is good to Israel, in verse 1. It says, to such are the pure in heart. It says, but as for me, my feet had almost stumbled, my steps had nearly slipped. He says, for I was envious of the boastful when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. For there was no pangs in their death, but their strength is firm. You know, and, and here's the psalmist looking around and seeing, you know, that wicked people are prospering. Wicked people are getting away with everything. And he goes, and that almost made him give up on their faith. That they thought, you know, well, what, is it, what does it matter then if you walk with God? What does it matter, you know, if you really try to do what's right? I mean, it doesn't seem like there's any, you know, negative aspect of what occurs for the person who's living and walking in sin. And it goes on in verse 6. It says, therefore... In Psalm 73, therefore, pride serves as their necklace. Violence covers them like a garment. You can see things that could relate to today. It says they scoff in verse 8 and speak wickedly concerning oppression. They speak loftily. They set their mouth against the heavens and their tongues walk through the earth. We're seeing that every day on the news. You, if you, you can't miss it. You're just seeing that's what's taking place in the world. And Christians today are going, then what, what is the, what's the reason to walk with God? It, it's become a stumbling block, an offense to them. Verse 16, and the psalmists can relate. It says, and when I thought how to understand this, it was too painful for me. Until when? And this is why it's important that we come together. It's why we, we need to discuss these things here in the church. That we need to get God's perspective. That we need to see everything from God's point of view and not our own. It says in verse 17, it says, until I went into the sanctuary of God, and then I understood their end. When you understand, you know, vengeance is mine, saith the Lord, I shall repay. Is there a day of reckoning that's coming in the world? You go, absolutely. And it's up to God to bring that. It's not up to you and me to exact, you know, the justice of God in that regard. What we need to do, is, as James 1, 19 and 20 tells us, says, So then, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear and slow to speak, slow to wrath. For the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. And we're seeing that in the world today. So we need to see, you know, God's given us two ears, one mouth. Listen more than we would speak with regard to these issues. Listen to what other people have to share. Those of, of other colors, other, other ethnic groups, those that have a difference of opinion than you do. Again, th this isn't to be club med in the sense of a church that we just come together and we go, oh, we come together because we, you know, we just all agree with the same things. So you go, no, it's okay to have, you know, diversity of thought and, and giftedness and calling, um, but to have unity in the midst of it. That, that's what God desires. And, and the world, when it comes in and it sees a church and it sees a church that is multiracial, uh, that they see you know, there's different ethnic groups that are represented, you know, thank God that, that we have that here at Calvary Chapel because we see people biblically. We see people the way that God sees them, that every person is created in the image of God. Every single person. Not just white people, not just white people and black people, not just white people and you know, black people and brown people. You know, every race, every person, whether you, whatever the color of your skin, whatever place you hold in this life, every person matters to God. Amen? And when we have that kind of heart, you go, man, it just makes it easier to get through this life. Because again, you're not putting labels on people. I think one of the things that's most frustrating about this generation is they got a label for everything. If there's ever been a generation that is racist, it's this generation. Because you look at all the labels, because, you know, it's like someone posted the other day, they, were, they had a thing and, I, and it was listing their neighbors and it was like, not 
it was a shirt that they were talking about, but it was saying that, you know, uh, your straight neighbor, your gay neighbor, you know, your Christian neighbor, your Jewish neighbor. And I was thinking about that. I go, I don't look at my neighbors like that. I go, I wouldn't even think to look at my neighbors like that. I, I would go, you know, my neighbors, you know, Dennis, you know, <laughs> Larry down the street, you know, or across the street, you go, you look at your neighbors by name, right? I mean, I don't, do you, any of you, I mean, maybe you do. I, I just don't. And so I have a hard time relating with that because when you start labeling everybody, you know, what, what gender are they, you know, now, and there's the big argument, you know, it's like, well, we're going to let kids determine, you know, what sex they want to be. And you go, but that was already determined by God himself. It was God who said, he created them male and female. So if you're going to leave that up to the world, you're going to end up confused. You're going to end up, like I said, you know, abused. That's the world system. God desires to bring us peace. And again, and we can fight against God and you go, but what are you going to have? When you fight against God, go back and you'll study Romans 1. What you're going to end up with is exactly what we end up in the world today. It's as if God just said, this is how you want it. And then his question for me and you would be, how's that working for you? And it's not that God's turned our back, his back on us. He hasn't. It's we've turned our back on him. And you'll never experience the peace and the joy and, and all the things that you truly desire by not walking with him. Obedience is always God's way. Walking in obedience to the things that the Lord has for us. And so th there's an issue, you know, of racism. Like I said, if you have your Bible handy, just as we close, I wanted to walk through something I'd studied that um, uh, Pastor Skip Heitzig had brought this out. And it was so good, you know, as I was studying through it, I, I, I took it for myself, obviously, but it was a, it was a great study from a Acts chapter 10. And it, and it really deals with the transformation that took place in, in the heart of the apostle Peter. And when you think about Peter, you know, Peter was a racist. I mean, again, plain and simple, you know, he had total disdain, you know, for the Gentiles. This is where in Acts chapter 10, just so that you understand it, when Jesus gave the mandate, it was 10 years prior to this moment when Jesus gave the mandate to the disciples to go into all the world, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And he said to go where? Into Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the world. So the Gentiles actually represent the uttermost parts of the world. They were the ends of the earth, you could say. And, and nobody really envisioned it, it being the Gentiles. God did from the very beginning. He did when he, when he first called Israel unto himself, was for Israel to be a light unto the Gentiles. Israel didn't do that. And so we look at Romans and we see, you know, is, is God done with Israel? No, but he's grafted the church in for this season of time to do what Israel would not do. And that was to be a light to the Gentiles, to go with the message of God's word to those that they would consider their, their worst enemy, you know, at that point. Like I said earlier, if you read the rabbinical teachings about their thoughts about the Jews. So you look at this in, in Acts chapter, in chapter 10, verse 24. Uh, if there's, there's really five things I want you to think about that if, if we're going to, to overcome racism, you know, as a community, it really begins with us as an individual. And so I'll walk through this with you here this morning. Number one, you could say, is be willing to admit there's a problem. There's just many people that just aren't willing to admit that there's a problem. You think about when we have Recovery 180 here in our church, right? And, and the first step of AA or any group is to do what? You go, hi, my name is Mike and I'm an alcoholic, is to admit that there's a problem. If you're going to fix something, you have to admit that there is a problem. Acts 10, 24 says, and the, remember, this is, you know, Peter now being called of God um, to go to the house of Cornelius, uh, again, who is a Gentile. And, and it's amazing how God, you know, causes this to happen, you know, uh, Cornelius, you know, uh, he sees Peter and Peter sees him, you know, how God, one's a prayer and one's a vision, you know, and it's amazing how, you know, God reaches people. And it's what I love about Cornelius, anytime that you, you read, you know, in, in scripture, you know, about someone who's, who's like Cornelius, you know, God always puts them in a very favorable light, but here he is, he's, he's seeking God. He's not a believer, but he's seeking God. You know, sometimes we'll say, you know, God doesn't hear the prayer of the non-believer. And you go, that's not true. He does. He, he hears the prayer of the seeking non-believer. He says, if you'll seek me, you'll find me. When you're crying out for God, God will answer. And he does that in the life of Cornelius. And Peter's praying. And he's praying a lot of times like how we are. You know, you start praying. You ever get sidetracked when you're praying? You ever get hungry when you're praying? Well, you, that means you're praying good then because you have to pray long enough time to get hungry, you know. 
most people go, no, I only pray for my food. You go, no, but have you ever been just seeking the Lord? And all of a sudden your stomach growls, you know, got to go, God. You know, my, and, and Peter's like in that. And he, so the Lord uses Peter's hunger and gives him this vision, you know, of food. And it says, and then the following day, it says he entered Caesarea and now Cornelius was waiting for them. And he called together his relatives and close friends. And as Peter was coming in, says Cornelius met him and he fell down at his feet and he worshiped him. But Peter lifted him up saying, stand up. I myself am also a man. And as he talked with him, he went in and he found uh, who had come together and says, and he said to them, you know how unlawful it is. So what's Peter telling him here in verse 28? He's telling them that it's unlawful for me, a Jew, to even have an association with you because, you know, we, we, we think we're better than you. That, that's what he's telling me. He's, I'm a racist. I, I don't, I, you know, as a Jew, we don't have anything to do with, because what is racism? When one group deems themselves what? Superior over another group. And if you think that in your heart or I do, you go, that is racism. Peter was a racist. He says, so then you said, he said, how unlawful it is for a Jewish man to keep company with or to go uh, to one of another nation. But God has shown me that I should not call any man common or unclean. So remember, you know, Peter in the vision, he's there on the rooftop and, and he sees this sheet coming down and it's got, you know, uh, uh, different kinds of animals, clean and unclean, kosher and unkosher, you know, animals in it. And Peter's going, you know, the Lord's going, rise, kill and eat. And Peter's like, no way, God, you know, I'm not eating anything unclean. I'm a Jew. That would be, that's wrong. I don't, I don't do it. And God told him, and it was a vision that he was giving him of people, but he was using food to do it. He goes, don't call, you know, unclean what I've called clean. So something that you have rejected, he goes, and I have cleansed. And we know that from, again, the gospel's sake. We're saved because of what? The blood of Jesus Christ. We've been cleansed because of the blood of Christ. We're, we're all in the family of God when we come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. You know, Peter was going, you know, I, 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 as a Jewish man, I just thought that, you know, I was better than you but he's recognizing the problem. He's admitting that there is a problem. Racism, like I said, it was at the heart of the Jewish people here. And so as we understand it, you know, again, you look at this and again, if we, if we, you know, understand today and we acknowledge, you go, is there a problem still with racism in the United States of America? And you can say it's not a problem for you per se. You go, but I'm talking about as our country and you go, absolutely. We, we need to be able to admit that there is a problem that still exists. And it didn't end, you know, I, I think when well, you go, well, it ended, you know, at Lincoln's Emancipation, you know, proclamation, right? That's when it ended. They, slavery was abolished. You go, no, it, the, the law, the law demanded it, but you go, but it didn't change in many people's hearts. And it hasn't changed in many people's hearts today. But that makes it what? a heart issue and you can't lump every single, it's just because it's like, this becomes the argument then, you know, is, are all cops bad? I'm asking you a question. Are all white people bad? Are all black people bad? You are all brown or red or yellow. You go, no, it, it's individuals. It's just like, is everybody saved? And you go, no. And you go, are only good people saved? <laughs> and you go, no. Who's saved? Anybody who calls upon the name of the Lord. Like I said, heaven isn't a place for perfect people. Heaven is a place for what? Forgiven people. But we've got to admit, and this is where you have to come to that conclusion in your own heart, listening to all the things that are going on, does racism still exist in the world today? Is it still a problem today? And, and that, that will, without coming to that conclusion that there is, then there's no hope. Because what we're doing is we're denying everything that we're seeing that's going on around us. It might not be in your heart. It might not be in my heart, but it is in the heart of many today. And, we, and it begins with admitting that and then going, how, what do we do to be able to fix it? That leads us to number two. Being, number two is you must be willing to change. You know, Jesus said, you can't pour new wine into an old wineskin. That's why it's, some people just don't get used in God's plan. Because it, God's plan does change. You know, his method of, of sharing the gospel, you know, isn't sacred in the truest sense. I mean, it is, it is in one sense because he talks about the foolishness of preaching. But there's so many methods that God uses today. What's more important, you know, is our heart. Are we open to being used of God however God might want to use us? And I find, you know, as I talk to people, the answer is no. 
they become an old wineskin because they go, well, this is what I feel comfortable with. I like this. You know, I, this is, you know, it's not my personality. You'll hear all these kind of excuses. You go, wait a second. If you belong to God and, and God wants to use you, it, it doesn't he have the right. If, if in the truest sense, we talk about, we were all, we were slaves to sin before Jesus, right? And now we become slaves to Christ, which is the most freeing experience anybody can ever enjoy, you know, in this, in this life is to become a slave of Jesus Christ and, and really to know and experience freedom. But we've got to be willing to change. And, you know, God gave Peter this, this vision. And again, it was a vision of what? It was a vision of grace, that the unclean and, and the clean were now together because that's what grace does. You know, we're called, you know, Micah that tells us that we're, we're to love mercy and to do justly, right? And to walk humbly with God. And you think about mercy and, and God's love working together. It, you know, God is just. And you go, what was his justice? You go, that Jesus would die, that the wages of sin was death and that Jesus, you know, experiencing the wrath of God in himself, the justice of God, so that we could know the love of God, that what? We could be forgiven of our sins, that we could experience the mercy of God, mercy and justice working together. You know, mercy is what? By definition, you know, if grace is getting what you don't deserve, mercy is not getting what you do deserve, right? And God has been merciful to me and he's been merciful to you. And why wouldn't we then want him to be merciful to every single person? Acts chapter 10, verse 9 through 16, it says, the next day as they went on their journey, it says, and they drew near the city. Peter went up on the housetop to pray about the sixth hour. It says, then he came, and so that's about noon, right? It says, then he came and became very hungry and wanted to eat. But while they made ready, he fell into a trance. So he's falling asleep here. It says, and he saw heaven opened up and an object like a great sheet bound at the four corners, descending and being let down to the earth. It, in it were all kinds of four-footed animals of the earth, wild beasts, creeping things, and the birds of the air. And a voice came to him and said, rise, Peter, kill and eat. But Peter said, no, so, Lord, for I have never eaten anything common or unclean. And a voice spoke to him again the second time, what God has cleansed, you must not call common. This was done three times. Aren't you glad that, you know, God doesn't just tell you one time. Sometimes he, he repeats himself a few times until finally what? The light comes on. And you finally get it. You know, Peter needed that. I need that. He says, this was done three times and the object was taken up into heaven. You know, again, so we look at Peter. Peter was willing to change. And he, and he was willing, you know, to admit, you know, that, that as, as he had said, you know, God has shown me that I should not call any man common or unclean. God had to do that there in verse 28. You know, you and I, again, we have to come to the place where, you know, We've, we've got to be able to admit, you know, when we think about, you know, standing before God that you go, I've got to say, God, I am, I am willing to change. Are you, are you willing to change? Are, are you open to the changes that God wants to bring in your life? Because you can think about your life today, probably the greatest hindrance or the greatest struggle that you're facing in your life is an area of your life where you have dug your heels in and you don't want to change. It's, it's become the greatest frustration about you yourself. We look at ourselves in the mirror. You know, my wife did this the other night. We had our kids over uh, for dinner and we were sitting around the table and she'd wrote a bunch of questions. And she said, okay, no, no politics. We couldn't talk, you know, uh, all the stuff that was going on in the world today. We couldn't have our cell phones with us. So people would go to the bathroom to, you know, I'll be right back. You know, yeah, no. But uh, she wrote these questions out. And one of the questions was, or things was, uh, you know, name something that you appreciate about, uh, you know, everybody at the table. And so she went around and it was, at first it was, it was kind of awkward, you know, and this, and you're, this is family though. And then all of a sudden people got into it. But what was neat was that people were saying things about the other person, like one, like they'd say to the person, I just want you to know, you're very patient. And I really appreciate that. And everybody was saying, they go, huh, if you only knew, you know, <laughs> and, and, but that's the beauty of it. See, we see ourselves differently than other people see us, right? And, and it's part of that affirmation that comes from other people, you know, in our life that, that we need. And so here's Peter going, you know, I, I, I'm willing to change, you know, I, I'm willing, I'm willing, I'm, I'm going to listen and I want to become everything God that you want me to be. And I hope that that's your heart, because if that's your heart and my heart, especially with this issue, not just you know, any issue, but the issue specifically that we're dealing with today of racism, and there, there's, there's hope for this world today. Because again, we can always say that it's, you know, it's up to somebody else, but, uh, 
you know, not that I was a big Michael Jackson fan, I wasn't at all, but uh, it just came to me in my mind and I'm going to let myself go down that rabbit trail. Uh, but remember he sang a song, you know, the man in the mirror. And uh, so I just take that as the Holy Spirit quickened that in my mind because I wasn't a Michael Jackson fan. But in that song, he sang about, you know, that the change was going to start with what? The man in the mirror. Is that we're not looking for God. Hey, you need to do this, God. You need to change them. As you go, no, God, you know, um, change me. And Peter was used tremendously of God. You know, the book of Daniel in chapter 12, it says that those who turn people to righteousness will shine like the stars of the heavens. And, and you think about Peter, we're still talking about him today. You go, why? Peter was just a guy. He was flaky and made all kinds of sinful mistakes, but God used him. God forgave him and God sanctified him. And he kept using Peter and, and Peter had a heart for humanity. And so, you know, again, Proverbs 3, 5 through 8 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will direct your paths. Then it goes on. We, we always stop there, but I, I want to take it two verses further. He says, Don't be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. And it will be health to your flesh and strength to your bones. Are you open? Open to what God has for you? You know, black people matter to God. White people matter to God. Brown people matter to God. Red people matter to God. Yellow people matter to God. All people matter to God. You know, and then I know this can be a, a really harsh statement and people, you know, and I recognize that, you know, it doesn't matter what I say from the pulpit. There's somebody who judges it no matter what. Uh, so my, my concern isn't that are they going to judge it. My concern is, you know, the things that I'm speaking, are they truth? And am I sharing the things that I'm sharing in love? And I don't want to be... I don't want to be unsympathetic and I don't want to not empathize with those that are hurting today. But I can tell you this with, with total clarity of heart and total conviction of heart that the greatest atrocity that is, is facing the black community today is not police brutality. The, the, the greatest sin against the black community today is abortion. There are more black babies being aborted in this country, you know, I mean, you think about that. If we're going to stand up for something and the Bible says to speak for those who can't speak for themselves, you go, what about those babies that are in the womb? I mean, that they're, they're being targeted. You talk about racism targeted. Uh, and, you know, I, it was read, I read somewhere, and I don't know the numbers on this, so don't quote me on it, but, but the number that I saw uh, said that over the COVID-19 uh, pandemic uh, lockdown, the 90 days, over that 90-day period, of time that uh, Planned Parenthood had aborted over 250,000 babies in 90 days because they were considered an essential business. That was essential to murder babies. And you go, and, and where's the church? Where's the black community? Where's the white community? Where's the brown community? Where's the red community? Where's the yellow? See, we've just, again, we're talking about, you know, this scripture and scripture says we're to speak for those who cannot speak, those who are marginalized, right? Those who are being oppressed. And you go, is there anybody any more than a baby in the womb? Just something, you know, to think about. Every human life from the womb to the tomb matters to God. Would you agree with that? Why? You go, Genesis one twenty six says, and God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. And I'll run through these last two real fast here. Number three, be willing to start the conversation. Somebody's got to be proactive. You know, that's the whole thing about sharing faith. People, ah, I don't, don't want to start the conversation. You go, no, you have to be willing to start the conversation. Pray. Go, God, I, I'm, willing to, I'm willing to start the conversation. I was thinking about this as, you know, uh, we basically, you know, if you take seven, seven times three is what? 21. If you eat 21 meals a week, would it be, would it be beyond us to go, Hey God, I'm, you know, I'm not going to become legalistic about this, but you know what? I eat 21 meals a, during the course of the week, not including snacks. You go, how hard would it be in, in those 21 meals to have one meal with, with a person of another race or another, you know, group that I don't normally, you know, maybe fellowship with to just make that, you know, prayerful, you know, God open the door that, you know, I could, I could befriend 
And again, that just means being proactive. You know, they go, well, people go, well, no one's inviting me over for dinner. <laughs> no, no, you have to, it's you being proactive, you know, and, and reaching out. You know, if we want to be part of the solution, you know, is to enter into those, those conversations and, and develop friendships uh, that are outside our normal, you know, and we go, oh, I'm just too busy. And you go, well, maybe we're just too busy then. But Acts chapter 10, verse 29 says, therefore I came without objection, Peter said. He said, as soon as I was sent for, when Cornelius sent for him, he says, I asked then, for what reason have you sent me? You know, Ray Comfort, you know, in the way of the master, you know, in evangelism and outreach, he's very successful in, in evangelism for the simple reason that he asks questions. He doesn't go out in a monologue. He goes out seeking dialogue. He starts everything with a question. Hey, can I ask you a question? And he engages people in conversation and then segues the conversation into, you know, the gospel presentation. And that's exactly what Peter, you know, will do here. You know, you know the expression, people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care, right? And again, you know, as the church, we, you know, we need to go into the world you know, with the desire of listening to other people. Jesus did it, the woman at the well. You know, he asked her for a drink. He was the one with living water, but he asked her for, you know, just a drink of water. So it, again, brings about the conversation. You know, again, James 1.19, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. You know, to walk in love. To walk in love towards other people. It's God's heart, you know, for us. Then number four, and maybe this is the, the toughest thing, you know, be willing to denounce discrimination. Be willing to announce discrimination. Verses 34 and 35 there in Acts 10 says, Then Peter opened his mouth and said, In truth I perceive that God shows no partiality, but in every nation, whoever fears him and works righteousness is accepted by him. And what's he doing? <laughs> He's saying, we're wrong. We were wrong to think that there was one group that was superior to another group. We, we denounce it. Everybody, every single person who's alive, who's breathing, was created in the image of God. And that becomes the message. And the message is what? That's our message. That's the message of the church. That's the message of hope. That's why this isn't political. That's why it's not even personal. That's why it's theological. That's why it's biblical, which leads you to the fifth point and close with this. In verse 10 through 35, it's this, be willing to share God's plan for unity. Is there a plan for unity in the Bible? Is there? Yeah. And that unity comes about as what? As I started in John chapter 17, is that we submit, that you and I submit to what? To the kingship and the lordship of Jesus Christ in our own lives with the desire to be what? You're going, God, I don't want to, you know, sometimes it means dying to myself that, and preferring you over me. That we go, oh, I could do it my way or we could do it your way. And we go, you know what? We're going to do it your way. And you go, is that the only way? And you go, no. But what does it communicate? It communicates love. It communicates importance that you are valuable to me. The church has that message. That's, that's the gospel. It's what happens all the time. You know, we, we were out this, this last week delivering food boxes. And by the way, because the early bird gets the worm, if you're in need of a food box today, I think we still have a few over in the cafe. If you get there uh, first, that means I don't have to announce this in second service. So if you'd like a box, uh, they're over there on the floor. First come, first serve. Early, birds, uh, early bird will get the worm. And uh, the late bird will what? Whatever you want to go with that one. But, but think of this. As, as Peter, as we close with this in, in Acts chapter 10, verse 35, it says, But in every nation, whoever fears him and works righteousness is accepted by him. The word which God sent to the children of Israel, preaching peace through Jesus Christ, he is the Lord of all. That the word you know, which was proclaimed throughout all Judea and began from Galilee after the baptism, which John preached, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth. So what's he doing? He's telling the gospel story with the Holy Spirit and with power and went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil for God was with him. And we are witnesses of all these things, which he did both in the land of the Jews and in Jerusalem, to whom they killed by hanging on a tree, and him God raised up on the third day and showed him openly, not to all the people, but to the witnesses chosen before by God, even to us who ate and drank with him after he arose from the dead. And he commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that it is he who has or was ordained by God to be judge of the living and the dead. To him, all the prophets witness that through his name, whoever believes in him will receive remission of sins. While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit fell upon all those who heard the word and those of the circumcision. So these are the Jews who believed were astonished 
And as many came with Peter because the gift of the Holy Spirit and had been poured out on the Gentiles also. So they were just amazed. This, oh, this is the ends of the earth. And he says, for they had heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. Then Peter answered, can anyone forbid water that these should not be baptized who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. And they asked him to stay a few days. There was unity. They went where? They went, you know, because you and I, first and foremost, are, king, are kingdom people, that we are members of God's kingdom. Is there a place, you know, we end with this, is there a place for prejudice? Is there a place for bigotry in the church? You go, absolutely not. And so just think of all the churches that exist in, in the world today. If that truly was the position of the church and it's truly what we believe and it's what we proclaim, you go, then we have a message then to take out into the world. And the world is looking for answers today. I can tell you that. I've had enough conversations with people that if we don't go political, we're okay. If we don't make it personal, we're going to be okay. But if we keep it biblical and theological, then what we can do is we can stand before any and we go, every life matters to God and not be bullied into a certain position then, you know, does this group matter? Does this group? And you go, listen, let me tell you what the Bible says. All men were created in the image of God, male and female. He created them. Every life matters to God. Don't you get locked into where then you have to put a label or something on to be accepted by other people. Any person who comes to Jesus Christ, regardless of their color, is accepted by him. Amen? All we need to do is call upon the name of the Lord and be saved. That's the message, church, that we need to take to the world. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. And Lord, I, I pray that you would help us, uh, Lord, as we uh, go forth from this place to go in the power of your might. Lord, the picture, uh, Lord, one day, as we see in the book of Revelation, it says, and they sang a new song saying, you are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals for you were slain and have redeemed us to God by your own blood out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation. Lord, to think one day heaven will be full of people from every tribe, every nation. And Lord, and when we're there, we'll be one people. We'll be united completely by your blood. Lord, may you unite us even today. Lord, in this place, and as we go out into the world, may we have the message of hope and redemption that's found in one name and one name only, in the name of Jesus Christ. And so, Lord, we thank you for your love, your grace. Lord, we look forward to conversations that we'll have, Lord, as you lead us from this place. And we do go today in the wonderful name of Jesus. And again, we all agreed saying amen. Amen. Church.